joyful we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. I'm excited to start a new year. I know we kind of talked about last week. It's just another another day. Just it, There's really nothing new uh, about it other than the calendar changes. But a new year does bring about new opportunities, excitement, the opportunity to look at what we have accomplished and say, hey, let's keep building on this and maybe the things that haven't worked, uh, let's, let's change those things, let's come up with new ideas. Uh, if, you, if you got a newsletter for the month, you did see the, the front article and I took just a few moments to just kind of highlight the fact that over the last three years that we have, we have grown, we have done some great new things together, we have added to our church family in, in a spiritual way, not just numerically. The things that we are doing as a church and that we are focused on and the ways that we are ministering is being blessed by God, uh, which to me says that we're doing the things that we need to do. So our job as we continue to look into the new year and, and even beyond that is we've just got to keep planning and we've got to keep watering and God will give us the increase. And it is just exciting to think that we get to in a kind of an in we get to kind of get to start over. We get to start over yet continue what we've been doing. And I'm excited for what comes in the new year. I want you to open your Bibles now, though, to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We're going to, as we jump into January here, we're going to start a series of lessons called Questions Jesus Asked questions Jesus asked. And, and this is just different moments from his ministry where he stopped and, and asked this question or asked that question. And as, as you look at the title, there's probably a lot of different stories that, that jump to mind that when I was trying to think of different passages to start with, to, to, to come in and talk about. It was actually pretty easy to think about those things. If you're familiar with the story of Jesus, uh, you know that he takes a lot of moments to just stop and pause and ask questions. But yet, the more I dug into those questions, kind of the, some of the more obscure ones are maybe some of the more interesting ones. And we're going to look at some of those as we go on over the next few months together. But just to take some time as we begin this year and just spend time with Jesus, that's what we're going to do. And he starts where we're going to start really at the end of John, the last gospel that we have in the order of our scriptures. The last story that we read of Jesus is where we will start. And it's the question of, do you love me? Do you love me? Maybe this was the one that we should have saved for the week of Valentine's Day, but it but it works here for us today. So let's go to John chapter 21 and let's begin reading this together. We'll start in verses one through three and we'll kind of set the stage and then we'll get into the rest of our text together. So he starts out, afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, Nathaniel, from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So this kind of, I believe, sets the stage for what's fixing to happen afterwards, for kind of the rest of the chapter that we're going to dig into. 
I think the interesting kind of key word here is the word afterwards. It tells us, or afterward, it tells us that, that some time has passed, some things have happened. Uh, if you go back and look in chapter 20, you actually see that there's some pretty interesting things that happened. Chapter 20 is, in the book of John anyway, is the moment that Jesus kind of reveals himself post-resurrection to a lot of different people uh, and to his inner circle. Verses 1 through 10 talks about the story of Mary Magdalene, how she had shown up to the tomb before anyone else and saw that it was empty. And she goes back and tells the others, all of the disciples, the apostles in particular, rush back to the grave to where they do not find Jesus there, the proof of the resurrection for them for the very first time. Uh, verse 11 through 18, we see that all the men have gone in and Mary is outside. Uh, she's crying. She's, she's upset or overwhelmed. Like maybe it's a better way to put it, overwhelmed in the moment. And Jesus comes and speaks to her directly. Verses 19 through 21, later that day, okay, later that day, Jesus shows himself to the majority of the apostles. Starting in verse 24 through 29, we have this moment. Thomas wasn't in that original group. They got to see him, so he appears to him, and Thomas has his doubting moment, right? And we, we sing that song about that particular moment so many times uh, where Th uh, Thomas basically says, unless I can touch the wounds, right, I'm not going to believe that it's you. And here he goes, all right, here it is. And then verses 30 through 31, kind of a catch-all is, is really John is beginning to wrap up his story or wrapping up the story of Jesus that he's telling. He goes on and he says that he, got, he does so many more things. There were so many things that Jesus did that we couldn't write them all down. But he continues to minister uh, in some different ways while he is still here on earth. So we have all of this buildup, right? All this buildup, all this emotion, all this excitement. To me, the word afterward is a very small word that represents so much. After their three years with Jesus, after their time in the garden, after the denial of Peter, after the betrayal of Judas, after the death of Jesus, after the resurrection. So you start putting all of those after moments into that word, and you begin to see that this is an emotionally charged time for this group of men. And, 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 and even some of the ladies, some, the, the, the close group that Jesus had, it was an emotionally charged time. There was, there was highs and there was lows and there was in-betweens. And some of those moments happened quick. Some of those moments happened over a period of a few days. I mean, I would imagine that even though Jesus had told his apostles, yes, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Yes, I'm going to be resurrected. That there was still grief. There was still pain from losing Jesus and seeing Jesus dying the way that he did, just as any of us would grieve someone that we loved, especially dying in that way. And then they've got the up from Jesus' back. He's showing himself to us. And, and I believe sometimes that maybe Maybe the apostles get a little bit of a bad rap from this particular text. I know that I've read and heard different people talk about uh, verse 3 in particular, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, almost as if so some people look at this and, and take this as Peter's kind of turning his back on the mission. Peter is, is like, well, Jesus is not he with us right here in this particular moment. I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go on out, and I'm just going to go back to what I know, what I'm comfortable with, what I'm used to, and I'm just going to go back fishing. And it takes the end of the story, as we'll see, to get him back in the direction. But I don't necessarily, this is just Matthew, I don't necessarily feel that way about these guys. And the main reason I don't feel this way is because we see in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark that his apostles are told 
to go here. They're told to go to Galilee and that Jesus would come to them. So they're actually there waiting on Jesus. They are there waiting on Jesus, and, and, and eventually he shows up. But I think that they are there not turning their back on their ministry, but maybe catching their breath. I think Jesus provided that moment for them. We're going to talk about that a little bit as we get on into it. But then maybe just a very noteworthy theme because it sets up the story is the very last phrase, that they've gone fishing, but what does it say at the very end? But that night they what? Caught how much? Caught nothing. And I think it's interesting that it's phrased that way, and a couple of other things that I've read have said the same thing, that it's interesting that they denote that night as if that's not common that normally they go out and they fish. These are professional fishermen. If you're a professional fisherman, normally when you go out to fish, what do you catch? Fish. But that night, what had happened? Nothing. That night, nothing. All the work, all the effort, all the, 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 the sweat, the, 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 I mean, just all of it, all of it built in together. That night, they had caught Nothing. Let's keep going. Let's see what happens. So early in the morning, early in the morning, just just stop right on that for a second. When you've worked all night and you've worked hard all night, how do you feel early in the morning? Tired. You're exhausted. These guys are probably a little bit frustrated because they've worked all night and caught no fishes. We all know that song, right? Jesus stood on the shore. So Jesus has shown up. Jesus has said, hey, wait for me in Galilee. I'll be there. So now he has, he has shown up. But the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. And, and some people say that Jesus has changed his, has changed his appearance. Maybe they, I think part of it, maybe a lot of it is it's early in the morning. They're tired. And as we get into the rest of the story, we're going to see that they're a little over 100 yards away from the shoreline. And I think they're just tired and they just can't tell who he is. And so Jesus says, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? What's their answer? No, they answered. I love that short no, because I wonder how many times they had been fishing and had caught no fish, and maybe there's some hecklers up on the seashore, and they're like, hey, have you caught anything tonight? And they're kind of picking at it, and he goes on, and, and I don't know if Jesus is having fun with them here, maybe a little bit, but he's setting up this moment where he's going to like say, hey, this is me. I'm the one talking to you. No, they answered. He said, well, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So I wonder if there is a little bit of of like, what's this guy thinking? Like, we've done this all night. Let's, let's, whatever. All right, just one more time. Let's throw it over here. Throw it on the right side of the boat. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus shows up and he makes it evident that it's me, guys. I, I, you've been here waiting on me. You've done exactly what I've told you to do. You have fished all night, and because you've done what I've asked you to do, and I think this is a great moment, because you've done what I've asked you to do, I'm going to bless you. And I think that's a lesson for us throughout all of our life, everywhere we go, everything we do. He says, do what I ask you to do, and when we do that, we set ourselves up to receive what? Blessings from Jesus. Now, they're not always going to be in this type of situation where it's going to be, you know, physical necessarily. This is a big physical blessing, a big monetary type blessing for them too here. But he's always going to bless us when we follow him. Let's keep going. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved 
said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. I like how he says that's not far from the shore. How many of you think that, how many of you would jump into a hundred yard swimming pool and just start swimming and probably get about halfway, 50 yards into it and going, it's a little bit further than I thought it was. I've thought about that. But Peter, Peter just jumps in and and he's just, he's on fire. I'm ready to get there. The other, they, they followed. Then it says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I want to stop at that moment for just, just, just a minute because actually let's, Let's keep reading and then we'll touch on it. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had re- was raised from the dead. All right, so two things that jump out at me, and then we're going to get into the second part of the story, but I think for so many of us, this is an important thing that we need to understand. He says two statements that aren't necessarily the climax of the story, but I think they're the heart of the story. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, a fire of coals burning with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Come have breakfast. I think it's important for us in our life to understand that sometimes we do need a break. Sometimes we do need a break. Sometimes we come into a moment that Jesus has prepared for us. We come into a time that Jesus has prepared for us. Sometimes those moments are challenges in what we would call in a negative way, all right? They're, they're hard challenges. Sometimes they're work challenges. They're grow the kingdom challenges where we've got, we've got a ministry or we've got a job here that we've really got to just roll our sleeves up and we've got to get into it. We've got to work through it. There's going to be blessing on the other end of it. There's There's going to be great things that happen because of the work that we're pouring into it, but it's going to be hard to get from point A to point B and so forth. And the same thing with challenges in our life, that we're going to face hardships and it's going to drain us. We're going to have to lean on God to get through those moments, just as we read or we talked about, you know, the things that preceded the word afterward or came before, you know, afterwards, all of those all of those things that led up. And I think in this moment, I really do, I think he tells them to go to Galilee and just get away for a minute. Because what they're fixing to do is just as huge. They're fixing to have this, once we get into the book of Acts, you're fixing to see the church established. You're fixing to see them go from from disciples that follow Jesus to really the true apostles that lead for Jesus. Their role is going to drastically change, and it's going to become harder. They're going to be the ones carrying the load. And so there's this interlude in between that I think Jesus says, go to Galilee and catch your breath. And then what does Peter say? Peter says, I'm going to get in the boat, and I'm going to go fish. And everybody kind of follows Peter. Peter is the kind of that, that voice that says, we're going to go this direction. And I wonder, because this is how I would process I wonder if going and fishing, even though they didn't catch anything, I wonder if going and fishing wasn't about fishing. 
You ever had that time in your life where you're stressed out, you're tired, and you go and do something, but it's really not about what you're doing. It's about the mental break that it gives you. These guys are all in the boat together. They're friends. They've spent the last three years together with Jesus. They've witnessed his death. They've witnessed his resurrection. They're really not completely sure about what's fixing to happen, right? They're they're, they're not 100% sure about what's going to happen after this moment, but they're all together. And even though they're fishing, maybe they didn't catch any fish because they really weren't working that hard at it that night because maybe they're just sitting in the boat together talking. They're debriefing each other. They're sharing their heart with one another. They're, they're, they're discipling each other, and they're encouraging each other. And I think it's important for us to realize that your church family is to be that type of place, that after you've ridden the wave of challenge, you've walked through the storm, you've, you, whatever it might be in your life, when you get to that point that it's time to catch your breath, your brothers and sisters should be the place that you can catch your breath with, and that you can just sit down and you can, just, you can take the work gloves off You can just relax, and you can just share, and you can lean on one another. And then they get onto the seashore, and Jesus says, come have breakfast with me. Let's sit down and talk. You've had your time to talk. Now we need to talk. We need to have a conversation. You need to hear what I have to tell you. And I think Jesus does that with us. He gets us through something. He gives us a moment to catch our breath and to to pull ourselves back to a place of comfort, not in a bad way, but in a place where we can process. And then after we've been through that, he comes in, he says, hey, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And I think that there's a moment here where Jesus, and and I see the fire, and this is just the image that I see in the story. He's got to reignite them. He's got to start that fire in them again. They're tired, they're exhausted. I've got to reignite them and get them moving again. And this takes a very personal turn for Peter, because in this moment of afterwards, right, and all the stuff that proceeded afterwards, what had Peter done in the middle of all of that? Who had he denied? He had denied Jesus. He had been asked three different times, are you with this Jesus God? Do you know this God? And every time they asked him that, what had he said? I have no clue who he is. And if you remember back, and it's actually a really good lesson, I don't know if we have it online, but from our summer series this past summer, Lonnie Jones spoke on that story, and he talked from the perspective of there may have been a part, I mean, Jesus had, had done all these miracles, Jesus had, had stood up to these Pharisees so many different times, but now he's just, he's just letting them take him, and he's not putting up a fight, and he said there's probably a part of him emotionally that looks at Jesus and goes, I don't know who this guy, this is not the guy that I've been with for three years. He's never acted this way. I'm so confused about that. I don't have any idea who he is, and so it kind of, from that train of thought, it makes sense of why Peter could have gotten to that point, but he gets to that point. He says, I don't know who he is, and so he's going to pull Peter away and they're going to have a conversation. And this is where our questions begins to come in. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now the idea here, if we get into the text, is that he's taken Peter away from the group. They've gotten up, and maybe they're walking down the shoreline here together. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Well, the first question is, hey, look at the guys. Look, look. I imagine him getting them away from the group, and they're all sitting there. They're eating their breakfast around the fire. They're telling jokes. They're laughing, and he's kind of got him pulled, kind of got him pulled off to the side. And he's like, "You see all those guys over there? 
do you love me more than all of those guys? And he's looking at them. And of course, his answer is, of course, yes, I love you more. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think that there's a powerful statement there in, in, in the middle of all of this. Really, at the middle, at the end, he says, you know all things. Man, you know all things. Jesus, you know how much it hurt when I realized what I had done. You know how hard it has been for me to carry this burden of, I, I was asked point blank, do I know you? And I looked at everybody and I went, I have no clue who this guy is. You know how hard that was for me. You know all things. Why do you have to keep asking me if I love you? You know all things. And, and he's like, he's having this, this moment kind of like, hey, Jesus, hey, who do men say that I am? You're Jesus. You're the son of God. And he's like building on that confession here of going, you know all, you are the son of God. You don't have to keep asking me this. And he says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What's he trying to do here? I think what he's trying to tell Peter, do you love me? Get back to work. It's time. All this love that you have for me, all this passion that you have for me, all this excitement that you've had all of these years for the kingdom, this, this excitement that you had, this energy that you had, that you jumped out of the boat again, right? He's already jumped out of a boat once, right? Jumped out of a boat once and walked to Jesus in the storm, and then he walked back with Jesus in the storm, right? Now he's going to jump out of the boat again, and he's swimming. All this excitement that you have, Peter, it's time to put it to use. Remember when I told you I'm going to give you the keys? It's time. It's time to open the kingdom. It's time to get back to work. And I think that that's maybe a great message for us this morning. A great message for us this morning. We've, we've, had, we've had a little bit of a break as, as a church. We, we kind of build in a break in, in December and January where because of the holidays and a lot of things going on and school starting back here in a few weeks, let everybody get back in their routines, that we just kind of take a breath. We, we just kind of say, okay, everybody get back to where you need to get, and then we're going to get back and get busy. And I believe as a church, it's important for us to understand this, that we're going to have moments and seasons, but we're getting ready to, it's almost time to get back to work. And that challenge is not just for some of us. That challenge is for all of us. Jesus has called us to be more than people that fill pews. Do you agree with that? Jesus has called us to be more than people who fill pews. Jesus has called us to be workers, to be disciples, to do things in the kingdom. And my challenge to you is a challenge that Jesus gives. It's not necessarily just from here, but, but through all of Scripture. It's time for us to all get to work. Do you love Jesus? If your answer is yes, then guess how you respond? You don't just say yes, you do something. Particularly for Peter, he says, I want you to nourish my church. I want you to lead my church. I want you to feed my church. He's setting him up for this time, for this place where he's going to be this elder 
this elder apostle is, is the role that he's going to carry. And he's going to say, that you need to get ready and you need to get to work. But then as we go on to the story, I didn't put the text in here, uh, but the last part of the story, I, it's so telling because we do this. We do this so many times. He gets, he's challenged him, hey, it's time for you to get to work. And you know what, you know what his response is? He goes, what about John? That's, that's the very last kind of paragraph here. He's, Jesus has told him basically how he's going to die. And then he goes, well, how about John? And you know what he says? He says, mind your own business. That's not really what he says, but basically that's what he says. He says, follow me. He says, if I want John to do something, if I want him to be, you know, alive until I come back, that's you just follow me. And that's so telling of us that we make up our mind. We say, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to serve. We're going to go in this direction. And the devil does such a good job of getting us when we're ready to be on fire for God and just distract us. And he's just had this great moment with Jesus, this great forgiveness moment, this great moment that, that helps him understand that he can keep on serving despite his mistakes, that there's still a place for him. And then his focus goes to somebody else on something else. We have to be careful to keep the distractions away. They're going to come, but we got to we, we got to we got to stay focused and do exactly what he tells Peter here. What does he say? Just follow me. So our challenge this morning is: Do you love Jesus? Do you love Him? Then let's get to work and let's just follow Him. Let's follow Him any direction He wants us to go. Let's follow Him any way He asks us to go, because His grace is great. His mercy is wonderful. His salvation is free. And when we're part of this family, we have so many benefits, but he wants us to gain those benefits by working and serving him every day. Let's close with a word of prayer as we wrap up. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for the newness of this time of year, the first Sunday of the year, that we can sit here and maybe set some goals for ourselves to realize that I love Jesus and now it's time for me to truly follow him, to work with him and for him and build in his kingdom every single day, every opportunity. Help us to have that attitude. Help us to, to just focus on you and to serve you wholly and fully every day. God, we pray that we will always remember the awesomeness of the cross and what it means to us and, and the salvation and grace that it offers us, the price that was paid. Help us to find motivation in that. Help us to find uh, humility in that, God, in our life. May we live for it every single day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As I was looking for ideas and different things this week, I ran across this story, and, and it kind of fits, but maybe it fits just enough to, to wrap us up. And I think it jumped out to me because whether we have done it on purpose or not, we have taken a handful of Disney vacations as a family or, or parts of our family over the last three years, over the last three years. And this story deals, I guess, with a family and Disney World. And the guy that told this story or wrote the story, his name's Timothy, and he, and he begins to talk about their, their middle daughter. Their middle daughter had been in foster care for, for years until they adopted her at eight years old. But she had been with this one particular family for all of those eight years. And every time that the family would go on vacation, and their favorite place to vacation was Disney World, every time that they would go on vacation, they would take their biological children, but they would leave 
the foster child at home. And she had heard so many things about Disney. She had heard so many stories about Disney. She had seen so many pictures and videos about Disney. But the one thing she had never experienced in her life was Disney World. And as they had begun to raise her and bring her into their family, she had shared this story. And Timothy talks about just how heartbroken he was because he's like, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing this to a child for so many years. And it had been a recurring thing year after year after year. So as any great dad would do, what does Timothy decide they're going to do that summer for vacation? Where, where are they going to go once he figures this story out? Dad's He's taking her to Disney World, right? And he said that he gets everything booked, he gets everything ready, and a month before the trip, he shares with everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we're, we're going to Disney World together. And he said her reaction was the complete opposite of what he thought it would be. Instead of excitement, over the next month, she began to pull into herself and began to just shut everybody out and cause problems and, and just be this menace in a family that she had not been for the year that they had had her. And finally, one day he sat down and he talked to her and, and they began to share things together. And he said, I looked at her and I said, you do realize that you're part of this family. I think this is what connected me to our story because he does ask her three questions. He says, do you know that you're part of this family? And she says, yes. He says, is this family going to Disney World? She goes, yes. He said, so does that mean you're going to Disney World? And he said, he just kind of looked at her or looked at him. And very slowly, she says, yes. Well, as their first day rolls around and they go to Disney, he said that they get back to the room and, and she's exhausted. Everybody's exhausted. There's no tired, like vacation tired, right? Especially Disney tired. And at the end of the day, as, as they're getting ready to go to bed, he looks at his little girl and he says, did you have a good time? And this was her response. She says, yes, I finally got to go to Disney World, but my fun wasn't because of Disney. It's because I'm your family. Because I'm your family. To me, what Jesus is asking Peter is, are you part of the family? Do you love me? Are you part of the family? And that's my question to you this morning as we start a new year. For those of us that are children of God, our challenge this morning is get back to work. Keep living in that. But for those of you who are not part of the family this morning, who have not had your sins washed away, who have not lived as Jesus has called us to, to be baptized, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have our sins washed away, to live in newness, my question is, do you want to be part of the family? Because the family wants you this morning. So this morning, if you need to become part of the family or you need to just come back to Jesus and say, yes, I love you and I'm ready to get back to work, let's start this new year together in a right and positive way. Thou art giving Forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. And Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.